Good morning, All Seasons. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord today, and Happy New Year. I hope everything is uh, starting off well or kind of transitioning well. We will have a another full year. Uh, thank goodness 2020 has passed. Uh, can we just give the Lord a hand clap that we made it to the other side of that? Amen. I... Uh, I, I, I want to learn what I need to learn. I always tell people, I want to learn what I need to learn and not repeat. And so whatever it is I was supposed to learn in 2020, hopefully I got it. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm ready to move on to something a whole lot better. At this, as we begin this year, each year we uh, start either January or February in a series on stewardship. Uh, there is no series that I do that is more powerful and more important in your life than this series. If I had time, I would just take one person at a time across this stage and through the last 20-plus years of how just being a faithful steward, God has opened doors and blessed lives and created incredible lives that from the time they started when I met them or they just started church, or it is, it is just amazing how God through time has done that. And, and in the Bible, when we begin to read, there is no subject that you're going to deal with more than being a faithful steward. Being a faithful steward is the key to everything that God wants to do and unlocking everything God wants to do in your life. It, it, I know a lot of times when we say stewardship, immediately we think money. But when we talk about stewardship here, we talk about your time, your talents, your, your finance, all of the aspects in which you invest. In fact, this year, that is the thought that God has had on me and I can't get away from. And, and this is what we'll be in through the month of January. And so I hope that you'll just, just, just get in here with me and I'm going to hopefully teach you some things. And some of you just reminding you of things when we talk about being vested. That's going to be our series for this month of January understanding what it is to be vested in the kingdom or vested in your life. This is a, a word that, that to me just really has caught me, and, and I just want to just be able to share it with you. In fact, the word vested, you can kind of say it this way. It means you have a personal stake in its success. When I'm vested in something, I have a personal stake. I have taken something of mine, whether it's my time, my talents, my finances, and I have connected with, in fact, we use the word to invest. And we tell people, you need to invest in that stock market. You need to invest in your time. You need to invest. What does that mean? It means to put what you have into the pot, into this thing that you think will eventually pay off. Listen, it's a fixed and absolute without contingency. It means that when I've invested something, it's something that I'm not getting back. It's something that I've put and given away that I'm expecting it to return. In fact, the Bible talks about in Malachi, it talks about this mindset. God says even on this area to test me. Test me, give your tithe, give your offering, give your heart, give all of this. Why? He said, test me and see if then I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. What he's saying is, he said, first step is you have to be invested before anything's ever going to happen. If you take a farmer, that is one of the most amazing fields that there is. To be a farmer, to go to the co-op, to go to the bank, and to say, I need to borrow so many thousands of dollars. And, 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 and the bank says, okay, what are you going? I need to buy seed and fertilizer. I need to buy everything that I need for this year. And to take everything that you have purchased, everything that you have spent, and put it in the ground. To just basically bury it with the understanding and the hope that it will produce 60, 100, 1,000 percent more than what you just did. You have the risk of rain. You have the risk of drought. You have the risk of everything that's going on. But you have decided that I am going to invest what I have. I'm going to invest my time, my effort, my energy, my finance. I'm going to invest in something that I believe will produce multitudes more than what I've put in. In fact, when we talk about this word invest, to be vested can also refer to something you're assigned to. When I marry people, I, I will say to them, to the power vested in me, you are now husband and wife. 
That word is in corporate. Why? Because it's a legal term that literally says that something has been bestowed on my behalf. That something has been assigned to me and given to me an authority or a power that has been vested into my life. It can mean also that it's a financial term, as we've talked about, to be invested, to, to be settled and fixed and without contingency. When we talk about the word invest, you can use it as money or something you hope for. In fact, it can be money, time, hope, anything that can be called an investment. To make an investment, to give your qualities or abilities to something, to be able to say that I am fully vested. In fact, if you have a, a 401k or something that, that a company has, they will say in 10 years, if you give to this, you will be fully vested. You don't have to give any more. Why? Because it, you've, you've reached the point to where you are connected fully. To be fully vested, to be fully incorporated, to be, I know years ago when we were talking about uh, my, my taxes and different things like that, I found out that since I've been working since I was 15 years old and paying taxes, doing all this, that they said, Mr. Lott, you are fully vested. In other words, you're, when you get 65 or whatever, you're not getting any more, you're not gaining it, you're, you're fully vested in this. It's set. When you hit this age, automatically checks will start coming your way. And I'm thinking, I've got a long way to go, but that's a, good, that's a good thought. That when I finally reach that, that I'm fully vested, it's done. And in the kingdom, it works the same way. We in the, in the kingdom have to have a mindset of being an investor. We are people that do really good. I tell people all the time, we do really good at disasters, don't we? That's why when we see commercials, TV commercials, it's my son was picking about the one that he always sees when he comes home. You know, they show the dogs that, that are all in kennels and about to die, and, and, and it's like we have, a, we have a huge need. For just a dollar a day, we can say. And what is it? It's always the tragedy. Hey, we need to give. There's a tragedy. There's a hurricane that's hit. There's a, but when you tell people, look, I want you to give. Why? Because in about 10 years, this is really going to be good. 10 years. We don't do good as much as investing our lives. We, we want something to pay in return immediately. And because of that, many people, and we will, by the end of this series, also at the end of this, starting in February, uh, we will have a financial class that we will be doing. Because some of you, you still live this way. Whatever's tugging at you the hardest, whatever's pulling at you the hardest, that's what gets your attention. You're good at the disaster. You're good at the emergency. But you're not good at seeing beyond and saying, you know what, I've got to put a certain amount of my time, a certain amount of my energy. Reading your Bible in the morning is an investment. But for some people, it's like, if, if something happened today, you know, some problem happened at work, then I'm going to go to my car at lunch and I'm going to sit there and read my Bible. Well, if you'd have read it that morning and made an investment, if you had been in church and maybe wrote the scriptures down that pastor had, then all of a sudden it would have come back to your remembrance and you would have said, oh man, I, I know exactly why. Because you made an investment. You were ahead of it instead of stuck in the middle of it. Go with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, 6-11. through this will be our main text throughout this. We'll use a bunch to talk about investment and vested. But let's just read this and let's get a feel for what I'm talking about. Today I'm going to introduce you to this series. And then for the next three weeks, so three weeks through January, I'm going to cover what it means and the aspects of being vested. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say... He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Just like a farmer, you have to decide how much you want to invest, how much energy you want to give, how much time. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance of every good 
work or for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. When we talk about this, why do we need a series, Pastor, on understanding being vested? Why why do we need a series that talks about this? Well, let me give you three reasons why this morning this series is so important. Number one, that God, number one, is invested in you. That God himself is an investor. He is one who spends the time and says, before I'm going to see anything or, or have any results, I have to decide that I'm going to invest. One of the, one of the problems that the, the, the uh, servant had that didn't sow his seed, that, that hid it, was the fact that he looked at his master and said, you're one that, that gains where you don't sow. You're one that gets. And he had a misunderstanding because he saw the master now when he's blessed and has a multitude of things. He didn't see the master as somebody who was consistently investing. In fact, the servant didn't see the fact that I, as the master, was investing in you. I gave you a talent. I gave something of mine first. It wasn't yours. It was mine. And I gave it to you. But in your mind, you were thinking, I'm fearful of losing things. I'm fearful of losing. And God says, I don't think that way. If you would have come to me and said, man, I invested, I did my best, and, and we just had a bad year, and the crops, he would have said, good, you tried, good, you were a great. Here, I'm looking for someone, but that's not what he did. He buried what he had. And so listen, God is an investor. Go with me to Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 10. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved and has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why did he do this? So he said, God says, you know what I did? I made an investment. I am full of mercy. So in my mercy, I sent my son, Jesus Christ. He died, rose, created a new covenant so that you could be saved. Why did I do all that? Just so we could have church and have have buildings all over the place. No, listen to what he says. That in the ages to come, he says, I have sowed a seed so that in the ages to come, that's why we read in Revelations that we see numbers coming that man cannot, just more than, than John could number. He said, I see them coming from the north, the east, the south, and the west, and I see them of all, every tribe, of every nation. I see them of every tongue, of every kindred. He said, I see people coming everywhere. How did this happen? It happened because before the foundations of the earth, God said, I'm going to invest. I'm going to to before we ever get started. Son, one day I'm going to plant you in the earth. One day I'm going to use you as a seed as to getting everything that I want eventually to happen. I'm going to invest you so that in the ages to come he might show him the exceeding riches of his grace in us or in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Listen, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. So we, we take that and, and to be a, like, well, God did all the work, so therefore we don't have to. That's not what he's trying to say here. He's saying that God made the initial investment. It's not that, well, God did it, so I don't have to do anything. That's not the, what he's saying. He's saying God made the initial investment in your life. You can't look at God and say, Look what I've made. No, 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 you, were, you couldn't have made. Without the investment I made, without the seed I put in you, without Christ dying for you, without all that I did, you have no possibility of being in the family of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the, say the word, gift of God. It was his heart, full of mercy, that said, I am going to sow. I am going to make the investment. Not of works, 
lest any man should. God says, I am an investor. The scripture we use all the time, John 3, 16. What does it say? For God so loved the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Listen, for God so loved the world that he... Look at that person beside you and say, he loved me enough to make an investment in me. That's what he did. You think, I'm coming to church, man. It's tough coming to church. No, no, no. (laughs) God loved you enough. The reason you have the life you have today, the reason you have the, the, the everything that you, the mind, the body, everything you have is because it was a true gift of God. Your next breath is a gift of God. God says, I have made the investment in you. And God said, I loved you so much that I gave my only son to seal this investment so that whoever believes in me should never perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. Now, the second thing we need to realize is not only is that God started the investment, but listen, we are called also to invest into God. God has made the initial investment And then God turns and says, I want you now, because of what I have done, to invest in me. I always use the illustration, it's my favorite, of French fries. My wife is now the one that does it notoriously for everybody. But we can go to somewhere to eat, McDonald's or something, and we'll order. Do you want fries? No. You need to go ahead and go ahead and order them fries. Because what happens is, just like with my kids, when I would take them years ago, I would just say, no, no. And, and, and I would sit there across the table talking with them, and i just reach across and grab a fry. And my kids were like, Dad, quit eating my fries. And that kind of hit me wrong. Oh, whoa. I don't remember you paying for them. I'm not eating all your fries. I'm just sharing with you. I'm just wanting you to recognize that, Dad, you got them. And I want you to recognize that if I wanted more fries, I'd go back up to the counter and I'd buy $1,000 worth. I'd buy so many French fries, we could bury you in French fries if I wanted to. That's not what I want. I just wanted you to appreciate and to understand that my father's been good to me. And he's bought me my fries. And if my father says, can I have a few of your fries? Oh, you can have them all. Why? Because I know that you're the same one that will supply more. If we're not careful, we lose that context. And so here's what the Bible says. Go with me to John 3, 17 now. We like John 3, 16 because God does all the heavy lifting. But listen to what John 3, 17 says. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be be saved. God says, listen, I didn't send my son in the world to condemn you, to to try to uh, bring you down. I sent my son so that there is a pattern now in which others can come and others can receive Christ. Go with me to Luke 12, verses 20 and 21. We're going to cover a lot more of this. I'm just giving you the, the, the overview of it. So we are to be vested in God. And we know all the Bible scriptures as far as Malachi, we need to pay our tithes, we need to do this, bring our offering. We, we, I, could, I could go through this. But listen to the mindset that even Jesus telling a parable says about a man. Listen, but God said to him, fool. It's like sitting across the table and you reach across and you're like, can I have a French fry? No, those are my fries. And when you're sitting across life from God and God is saying, do you enjoy your life? Do you like your life, the one I gave you? And Do, do you like the fact that you got this and this? Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm so glad. Could, could, I, could I borrow some of your time? Oh, God, I don't have any extra time for you. Could, could I borrow just a little bit of your? Oh, no, God, I, I have so much stuff in my mind. I do not have time to sit and read and talk with you. 
Could, could, could we just, could, could I, I use a little bit of what I've given you financially so that we might win others to the kingdom? God, I, I'm telling you, I, it's, it's all I can do to spend what I got. So what happens is in our life, listen, but God said to this man who had barns, filled his barns because God was good to him. And then when they were full, he sat back and said, what do I need to do? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns, tear the ones I got down, build bigger barns. And then I'll say to myself, soul, you got it good. And God says, you're a fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. Who holds your breath? God. Who determines your days? God. You, you, if, if a doctor gives you a death diagnosis, it doesn't matter how many millions of dollars, it doesn't matter what you've got. You, you can't pay that doctor and say, don't make it happen. I'm sorry. I... Why? Because God says, you don't realize that you're misunderstanding why I have blessed your life. I've blessed you to be a blessing. Then whose stuff or things which you have provided. Whose, whose stuff then will it be? Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So it is. He who lays up treasures for himself. That's anybody. Anybody that has the mindset that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and just tell you, it's going to be hard to understand this, but they are not going to pull a U-Haul behind your hearst. They're not burying you in your favorite whatever. They're just going to buy a box, and they're going to bury you. We have a saying here that we've used for many, many years. Everybody in this room will die broke. Now, I don't know if you'll ever understand this. If you do, it'll change your life. Every person in this room will die broke. No matter how high you ever get, no matter how big a house you lived in, no matter how many cars, no matter how much land, no matter how much, no, it doesn't matter. Every person in this room will die broke. But only a few will leave filthy rich. Only a few will leave this world filthy rich. Paul tried to tell you. Put your treasures up in heaven where moth cannot harm it, where rust cannot touch it. There's nothing in this world that you can keep. There's nothing in this world you can enjoy it. I want you to go on the greatest vacations you can. I want you to have a nice car to drive. I want you to live in a comfortable house. And I, I want all of that for you. That's not what I'm talking about. The man, it wasn't the fact that the man did not have barns. It wasn't the fact that God had not blessed him with Filling his barns. He had done the, the problem was is that in the process, in his heart, he had decided that it was about me and all I can achieve and, and, and to die with bigger barns is better than dying with little barns. And he says, no, you're an idiot. You're going to die whether you got big barns or little barns. You're going to die. You need to realize the reason I feel these barns and you have excess is because the excess was to help others. Since you don't understand that, when you die, the others are going to get what you got plus your barns. Who, who then is going to get all the stuff that you used to call yours? I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just being very factual. There's a 100% chance you will die. 100%. And there's a 100% chance you leave. And the only thing you take with you is that one dress or that one suit that you've provided for everybody to say, bury me in this. And I've even stood in the rooms before they lock down the caskets and they take the rings off their fingers and they take the jewelry off and they take that and the grandkids take off with it. It's the way it works. You've got one life to send as much treasure to the place that will never rust or fade. I want you to enjoy life. I don't want you to say, oh, I'm just going to sell everything. No, I want you to enjoy life. But I want you as God blesses you to realize why am I being blessed? To be a blessing. Number three, we are called then to be vested in others. That's our call. God's invested in us. 
We are invested in God, and then as we go through life, we are to be invested in others. Listen to these scriptures, Proverbs 11 and 25. We'll go through them. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Proverbs 22 and 9. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the, to the poor. Proverbs 19 and 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the... See, when you're giving to someone, when, when you see someone that, that you're like, I need to help them. Don't, don't see it as, as that person because that your flesh will cause you problems then. You'll start, man, they probably got more money in their pocket than I do. They probably, just don't even think that way. When you see someone in need and you give to them, get it in your mind. When I lend to the poor, I'm lending to God. God, I'm not doing this for them. I don't know what they're going. I can't tell you how many times through the years. I know people taking advantage sometimes. And, it, and it's just like, God, I'm not lending this to them. I, I don't know what they're fixing to do with this. I, I'm, I'm going to help them. If they pull up in the car and say they need food, we're going to pack their car food. We're going to do everything. God, I'm lending to you. And what happens? And he will pay back what he has. So I'm not looking to the person. I'm not looking to the individual. I'm looking to God. God, I'm doing good to everybody I can. I'm, I'm expecting good to come my way. Listen to what it says in Galatians, in the New Testament. Let's look. In Galatians 6 and 2, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's the whole purpose. The whole law is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Hebrews 13 and 16. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. John 15 and 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And and how did Christ love us? He allowed God to make us, him an investment into our lives. And what we do by loving God is saying, God, make me an investment into others' lives. Just like you use Jesus to be an investment, use me to be an investment. God, you have blessed me so that I can be a blessing to other people. When you have that attitude, it changes every, all seasons has been built on that mindset that we have been blessed to be a blessing. And as long as we keep that, we will always continually to be able to touch lives, build camps, or do whatever God's called us to do. Why? Because God understands, Tim, if you loan to those that don't have, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to repay you. Tim, it's not others you got to worry for. It's me. If you take care of the things that I care for, I will be the one that pays you back. I'm the one that's well pleased when you do that. Don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry about everything else. Worry about that. So those three things that God's investing, that we're investing in God, and that we're to invest in others. Number two, Let me give you some facts about investing. Go back with me to 2 Corinthians 9. Let me give you some facts this morning about this being vested in God. Verse 6, number 1, vested people are always blessed people. Vested people are always blessed people. This is what the Bible says. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will reap. So if you're a vested person, if you say, I'm giving all, then all is going to be given back to you. It's not an accident that God has blessed me and Elise and blessed all. It's not an accident. From the time we moved here years ago, we locked up our house in Caledonia. We, 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 we sold it eventually and just fully vested. Our, what is God saying, Tim? How much did you give? God, we, we left everything. For about 14 years, I didn't even hardly see my family because my dad was still pastoring, so I didn't see him on the weekends. We'd see him at Christmas and different things. How much have you given, Tim? I've, I've, I've given everything I got. I paid myself to preach the first many years how much you give I got I got nothing left anything I got it's yours 
And because of that, God says, Tim, now I'm responsible to bless you. Because of the people that you, I'm responsible to bless y'all. I, I, I know you had not seen your family, and, and, and that, I'm going to lay it on your brother's heart to move there 10 years in. Five years, ten years in. I'm going to lay it on his heart to move. What? Yeah, he's, he's going to be doing the same. You and him are going to spend. You're going to get to pastor his kids. Oh, and your mom and dad, when your dad retires, about every other weekend, every weekend, they're going to drive down. You're going to spend more time with your dad and mom than you ever have in your life. I could go down the list, folks. That I didn't plan it. I didn't scheme it. I didn't have it figured out. I just kept investing. And God said, Tim, now you put it in my hands. And think about my mom and dad. My dad's nearly 78 years old, 80 years old. My mom is 70. And they drive two hours one way, and God has given them the health and the love to drive two hours every other Sunday or sometimes every Sunday to come to church and then drive two hours back home. How many 80-year-old people you know like to drive two hours one way and two hours the next in the sun? They do it all the time and love it. Why? Because God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I, I could go down the list because understand this, people who are vested are always blessed. It doesn't always mean financially. If you check my bank account, you'd probably say, I'm a lot better off than you, probably in that way. But let me tell you something. I got a lot more joyful tears than most people you'll ever meet. I've got more stuff and friends and people, and I am a blessed person. Why? Because I invested heavy. I invested heavy. I moved somewhere I didn't even know where I was moving to. I've lived my whole life and built a whole life here, and it took 20 something years to create home here. God said, That's all right. Just keep investing. Now I can't talk Elise into leaving ever. So I'm, I'm like, one of these days we'll just, you know, buy a place on the beach or something. So, no, we just live here. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I done, I done created a problem, a good problem. Number two, being vested starts always in your heart. I'm not trying to manipulate you. Listen to me. If I told you to go plant a garden next year, because, man, if you plant a garden, you'll be able to put up peas. You'll be able to put up tomatoes. You'll be able to jar. Man, you're going to have such a blessing if you put up. Some of y'all going to look at me like, I don't do no garden. I don't even like gardening. And so I would look at you and say, that's fine. That's fine. And when it comes to vesting, I'm, I'm not looking at anybody in this room and say, look now, you don't give. You're going to be cursed. You're going to be. That's not what I'm saying. I don't, I, I'm just telling you that if you don't. So you can't reap. And listen to this verse in verse 7, that being vested starts in the heart. So let every one of you give as he purposes in his heart. I covered this a few weeks ago. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a... I told you that most people look at that scripture and they think, well, the main part of that is God loves it because we use it. We just take it out of context. God loves a cheerful giver. That's not the main part of that scripture. The main part of that scripture is the first part that says, purpose in your heart what you want to give, what, what you find joy in giving. If you say, I don't love the Lord, then you're not going to give a lot to the Lord. I don't trust the Lord, then you ain't going to give a lot to the Lord. It's mine not God's. All of that will cancel out. And so from your heart, you decide what it is you want to give. And when you purpose it in your heart, it affects everything that you do. So what I've learned in life is, is if I'm not joyful about giving, then I don't give to it. Now, it may mean that I need to go back and say, God, is this something I'm missing, something that I've just got to have a right heart for? And it may just be something God says, that's not yours. Don't, don't worry about that. Th- those dogs that you're talking about on the, on the TV commercials, I have not went and adopted any of them. My strategy for that would not make a lot of people happy. There are kids that need people to love on. We got plenty of dogs. Sorry, that's my heart. So I probably won't be writing checks. I probably won't be standing naked outside somebody's place 
it, it was representing Peter. That probably is not going to happen for me. If that's you, please don't say you belong to all seasons when you do it. <laughs> don't be wearing a sign saying, I'm, I'm all seasons. We love pets. Don't do that. You can only be vested in what your heart calls you to be vested in. Why'd you come to church today? Because you had to. He says, don't come grudgingly or of necessity. Oh, you know, we've got to go. Is there a reason why church is not exciting? Is there a reason why? Maybe you're not vested. Maybe you're not vested in it. it it's, it's just someplace you go. It's someplace you, whatever you're vested in, whatever you find the love for, then that'll be something that joyfully you're a part of. I don't get up on Sundays and say, man, I got church. No. Yes, it's work. Yeah, it's, I have to do. But the fact is, I get to see my best friends. I get to see people that I, I can do life with, people that pray for me, people that I'm praying for. Like right now, Luann Gould and Mike Gould, their, their grandbaby is taken back to the hospital. And, and, and I talked, you know, text her last night and, and, and just letting her know, look, you've got a whole family here praying for you. That's my life. That's, that's not just something I do. It's the most important thing to me. I talked to people on the phone last night praying for other individuals. And, and, and it's not something I have to do. It's not a grudge. It's not a bothering. It's the greatest joy of my life that I get to do life with people. Number three, a vested person never runs out. Look at verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that sometimes having all sufficiency. No. What's the word? Always. There's never been a time that I've needed to help that God has not given me the ability to help. There's never been a time that I didn't need to sow that God hasn't given me something to sow. It may not be financial. I may not have money. I may just have to give some time. I may just have to give some energy. But there's never been a time that God has not showed me something and, and I've been able to say, God, I just I can't help no way possible. In your life, God will make sure that you never run out. Number five, four. God causes vested people then to multiply. The reason I said that because I got it A, B, C, D, and I'm thinking, I don't know what number that is. No, it's D. I don't know what number. God causes every person. Go to, go to verse 10. That's what it says. Now may he who supplies seed to the... That's the promise. Remember, you're never going to run out. That's what Paul understood. That's, that was what he, he, he hung on to. That's what he believed with all his heart, that if I sow, then what's going to happen is God will instinctively put more seed back in my, my storehouse. I always use it this way. I always said when we were building things or doing things for God, I'm always reaching back. God puts something and I use it. And then I reach back and God, and I've said, God's never let me reach back and not put something in my hand. But as long as I'm just like, well, I'll just hang on to this, then the flow shuts off here. God says, Tim, keep sowing. He gives seed to the sower. Tim, don't stop. Don't quit. Don't grow weary. Don't, well, I don't see it coming up. Very, don't worry. It's coming up. It's, it's, it's in the ground. It's good seed. Just keep. So in our lives, that's what we do. He says that he supplies seed to the sower and bread of food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He multiplies my seed. Nobody ever sows a piece of corn and says, boy, I hope I get that piece of corn back. They're hoping they get a whole stalk with 10 or 12 corn ears on it. How many out of that one, you're, you're expecting multiplication. When I'm investing in God, I expect multiplication. And finally, vested people always causes thanksgiving to God. Well, I wish I could do something to make people really see God. Well, that's easy. Be an investor. 
Listen to what it says in verse 11. While you are enriched, while you are growing and being enriched in everything for all liberality, guess what happens? Which causes thanksgiving through us to God. People begin to praise God and thanksgiving to God because they see what you're doing. Whenever we do something through the years, if we've done something, it's instinctive for people to come up and say, boy, thank y'all. And what do we tell them? No, thank God. Because when you are investing, it's instinctive that it's going to bring the thanksgiving back to the Lord. When you're sowing in your life. All right. So over these next three weeks, what do we want to accomplish? Well, here's the three things I want you to see. I want you over these next three weeks to see the value the value of being vested. What type of life it produces? What's the value in me being vested, brother? I want you to learn the steps of becoming vested. I want you to learn the process of what it looks like to be vested in God. What does that look like? How do I do that? And thirdly, I want you to apply it. I want you to apply the steps and be vested. Why is this series so important, Pastor? Because it is the only way in which I can get you in your life from point A to point B. If you eat every blessing God ever gives you and you just eat it up and never invest it and never, then what's going to happen is, is that there's no return ever coming. And no matter how much I pray for you, no matter how much I, I fast for you, no matter how much I, I do, if you're not an investor, there is no harvest coming. And our church is full of people that would stand up and tell you that you're not going to have an, a, a harvest without an investment. You're not going to see what you're wanting to see without first saying, I'm going to invest. I'm going to commit. I'm going to make the sacrifice. I'm going to do it. But when I do, I've learned that it's not a problem because God is going to keep supplying the seed, multiplying what I'm doing, and is going to bless me in whatever area it's needed. Let me show it to you as I conclude. Go with me to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. We'll hold it verse 32 and 34. I'll get there in just a second. If Jesus was preaching to you today, if Jesus was preaching today, just like the Sermon on the Mount, if Jesus was preaching one of his famous sermons, the Lord Almighty was standing here preaching. Here's what he would say. In chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, he speaks about how to take care of the needy. He says that you aren't to worry about who you give to. You aren't to worry about keeping record of it. You aren't to worry about this. You, you just give. You give to the needy. You help the needy. Help the poor. Help the people that are in need. That's how he starts off his sermon. Can you find somebody in need? Yeah, help them. You find somebody that, and look, don't tell nobody. What? Sow your seed. It's not your harvest. It's your seed. Them telling you, oh, thank you, is not a harvest. Just sow your seed. Be quiet. And say, God, now you'll have to supply whatever's and fix whatever. And when you get to verses 5 through 15, he says, I'm going to give you another investment. It's called prayer. He said, you have to make an investment in prayer. He said, first you make investment in others, investment in poor people, investment in people that need help, and then invest in prayer. When you pray, he says, here's how you pray. In fact, the investment is such a, a powerful thing that when you get to the end of praying, and which you also do that in secret, he said, when you pray, go into your closet, do it in secret. Don't, what God will reward openly what you have done in secret. And he says at the end of the prayer, he said, when you've prayed, understand that your investment has to be right because here's the thing, the final part of that is, Lord, forgive us as we have forgiven others. In fact, Jesus ends that. We always end it with, with the Lord's prayer, but we fail to remind ourselves the last two verses that he uses after that. 
He says, let me just be clear on this. If you don't forgive others their trespasses, God will not forgive you. If you don't make the investment, then God's not going to send you a harvest. If you're not willing to invest and say, I'm just going to love you. I'm just going to forgive you. It's costing me. Oh, it's costing me. I don't, I've got, and I probably won't get nothing for it. But I'm doing it. Why? Because God says your harvest is when you invest yourself. In verses 16 through 18, another investment. You invest in people. You invest in prayer. You invest in fasting. When you fast, wash your face, clean your hair up, don't look like, here again, do it in. It's amazing how all this stuff is supposed to be done where only person can bless you is God. Why does God do that? Man, it'd be so much easier if he just say, just walk around like, uh, what's wrong? I'm fasting for my family. Well, man, that's such an honorable thing. I know it. Praise God. Pray. I love the Lord. Then even if God didn't do something, at least I get a little bit of glory from it. But God says, no, don't tell anybody, don't show anybody. When you fast, clean yourself up, and here again, what you do in secret, God is going to bless you openly. Now, this isn't me preaching, this is Jesus preaching. If he was standing up here right now, this is the sermon he would preach to you. He would say, be an investor. He would say 19 through 24, oh, he had to get on this. You know, preachers do this. Even Jesus got on money. Yep, he got on money. He said, listen, you can't love two things. Either you love God and you love being a farmer and an investor, or you love money and you're going to hang on to it. But you can't love one. Either you'll hate one or despise one. You, you can't do that. You have to choose. Are you going to be an investor? Or are you going to be like the rich man? It's mine. Do with it what I want. I'll worry about it when I die. In fact, go with me to that. Can we pull that up? I want to read that just real quick. Verses 19 through 24. I don't know. I threw this on them, so they probably don't have that scripture, but they can find it. Verses 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, this isn't me preaching. I know y'all think it, Pastor Lot just won't. This is Jesus' sermon. Do not, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal it. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But if your eye is bad, the whole body, if, if, but the lamp of the body is the eye. And, and there your eye is good, your whole body will be good. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. He says, understand that the reason that man had such a problem was because it was never going to be enough. Some of us are there now. You have plenty. But let's be honest. We're going to kill ourselves next week because it's not enough. It's not enough. And he says, in the world system, listen, your eye will catch something and it will never be enough. Am I not supposed to have? No, I want you to have all nice stuff. I want you to find, find a level of living and say, boy, that's, 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 that's where I want to be. Me and Elise, we do that. We, we have a, a level of living and it's like we, we want to be able to, you know, have hot water and we want to have a house. And you know, even though we may have to bomb it for, you know, Wasp every couple months or two, three. You know, we, that's okay. We'll survive it. We're okay. One one vehicle goes, bites the dust after three hundred thousand miles. We just go buy the next used one. We're we're good. We're happy. 
And I don't need to go buy a car, even though I may like it. I love those Jeep Rubicons. Man, I love a Jeep Rubicon. Those things are bad boys. You put them big tires on it. But I don't need $70,000 hanging on my neck tomorrow. I could walk on that dealership, and they would look at me and say, you need this. And I would look at them and say, you're right. But God says, I'm wrong. There's a lot of things. we. He says, Tim, but your eye is bad. Your whole body will be full of darkness. Think of what drives you crazy every day. I'll tell you what it is. It's the thing that you want that you don't have yet. I'll tell you what makes you upset every day of your life. It's the thing you want that you haven't got yet. It's called the world system. It may be a boat, maybe a car, maybe a lifestyle, maybe a house, maybe, maybe whatever it is. But you ain't got it yet. And because you don't have it yet, you're just not happy. If that darkness gets in your eyes, you can have all the nice stuff. You can have healthy kids. You can have a great family. You can have everything, but you'll be miserable because it's never enough. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't make both of them equal. Because God is going to call you to be an investor, which means you're going to have to give away your other God. And that's going to hurt. Because that's what you're trusting in. I meet people all the time that, that are never going to be committed to church. They're not going to be. And they'll tell you why when they're honest. Tim, I've worked hard all my life. And money is what I trust. I've got relatives. Money is what I trust, Tim. Yeah, but it can't. I know it. I'm not saying it'll work. I'm just telling you that I've set my mind. I've worked too hard. I've done it too long. This is what I trust. And you'll meet a lot of people like that in this world. Therefore, I say to you, verses 24, 25 through 34, God says, Jesus says, and don't get mad at me. Look at the person beside you. I feel like I'm getting some looks here. Look at the person beside you and say, this was Jesus' sermon. Y'all y'all looking at me like, like I did it. I didn't do this. Verses 32 through 34. We get to the end and Jesus then says, let me give you a philosophy. And this is, this is the philosophy that every farmer I've ever known. This is the philosophy of every investor I've ever known, of, of people that, that do stock market. That do. Let me give you a philosophy that has to work with God too. Don't worry. What's your strategy? I <laughs> just don't worry about it. I'm just throwing seed. I'm just doing what I, and I just can't, I can't add one hair to my head. I can't make myself grow one inch. I can't give myself one more day on this earth if God decides. But as long as I got breath, I've made one decision. I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to keep sowing. And I found out as long as I'm living by that system, that good just keeps catching up from me from behind. That's why the Bible says, that signs and wonders follow those who believe. They're behind you. Where were you planted in the past where you don't even remember it and you've thrown seed and you've helped somebody and you don't even remember it. Listen, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you have need, have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then here's the promise now of your investment. All these things that you have need of will be provided. In your life, you're choosing what you're investing in. 
There are people that will complain. I ain't got money. I ain't got time. I ain't, I, I ain't got nothing to give the church. We'll spend $100 on Dish Network every month and never fuss a bit. Why? Because that's, that's good. I like that. It's, it's, but seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Verse 34. Therefore, do not... <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't me telling you this. This is Jesus telling you this. How do I live my life? Don't worry. Don't worry. Bro, a lot you got... We, we're doing all this stuff. and do, Let me tell you something. If worse comes to worse, and people quit me and all this stuff, I'll just go get a job. And I'll pay for it. You, I don't worry. There's not a certain lifestyle i got to keep living. All I'm responsible for is to keep sowing. God has to do all the heavy lifting in my life. And in your life this morning, if I can teach you over the next three to four weeks to understand that I am an investor. I am vested in the kingdom. I know that what I've given to God and trusted with God, whew, do I have a reward? Do I have not only on this earth, but the one God is going to take care of me. If I could get that across to you, it would change the, the altitude of your life. It would change the attitude of your life. It would change so much if most of your conversations were not about what do we need to do to fix our situation? What do we need to do to make? What do we need to do? God's done told you what you need to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and then some of the stuff that you want to be taken care of. No. All of those things will be taken care of. Don't worry about its own thing. Tomorrow will worry about its own th thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let me give you a, just a real big brain. That thing you're worried about about a month from now, you may not be alive to worry about it. That thing you're all stressed out about next year, it may not have any problem with you. It may resolve itself before it gets there. You may not be there to be part of the resolution. Whatever's today, what can I do today? How can I invest today? Is there somebody I need to call today? Is there someone I need to go see today? Is there something that I need to make sure me and God are good so that my life today? What can I do today to be an investor? And if you do that every day of your life, you're going to look up one day, like I have after all these years, and think, how did I get here? How did I get here? I'll tell you how. Because God is faithful. That's why Malachi says, of all the things in life, he says, test me here. Bring, bring your tithes, bring your offer, bring, and see if I won't open up the window. See if I won't do it. Why is he so confident? Because God says, I've already promised it. I've promised that if you will sow, I'm responsible that you reap. And in this next few weeks, I hope that I can get you to understand. I don't need you to make no promises. I don't need you to, oh, I'm going, I promise God. I'll... Don't make no, just listen. Over these next few weeks, just listen. I don't, I'm not trying to get you to sign a commitment card. I'm not trying to, what I'm trying to do is help you so that five years from now or two years from now, we don't have to have a meeting in my office because you've been trying everything else, going to the casino and everything else to try to find your way out of your, your ditch. And I'm needing to come up with some cash now to help you pay your light bill. I'm trying to help you. Not with your emergency, but with your future. Our church is full of people, and the reason we're blessed is because people quit worrying about their immediate, which we all did at times past, and we started becoming investors.
and it's made all the difference in our lives. Will you stand? Father, I cannot thank you enough for for this series that is fixing to take place. Each year, when we're able to, each year, it is my favorite. Because it answers for people, how did you get here? Boy, Brother Lot, you've been lucky. Or God's just been good to you. No. For every person in this room, each one of us has the opportunity to invest. Someone would say, well, I don't have hardly anything. That's okay. The Bible says Jesus stopped and talked to his disciples for a little lady after people had dropped bags of money and bags of money, but the little lady who dropped two mites, just two almost worthless pieces of coins. And he says, look at her. Look at her. She didn't give out of her abundance. She gave out of her necessity. And it caught God's eye. God, I want my life to always catch your eye. Just like that little widow that day, I believe that God, you made a way for her. You provided for her. And Father, you will provide for me. The greatest thing that someone can learn over these next several weeks is that I'm vested in the kingdom. I'm fully vested. I'm fully 100% vested. And that means that all the goodness and all the grace and all the mercy and all the blessings that God has for my life are going to catch me. That my seed will come up and it won't come up equal. It will come up 60, 100 fold greater. Father, thank you. Thank you that from the time you started this world, there's a time of harvest, a time of sowing. And God, it will last until the day you return. And I want to be in it. In Jesus' name, let us see it. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.